Bobby Osinski's Inner Circle. I'm Bobby Osinski, and this is a show all about music, music production, and the music business. My guest today is artist manager and founder CEO of both Indie Connect and Cartney, Finney Rebus. First of all, are we finally discovering the truth about social media? Just this last week, we found out that hashtags on Instagram don't really help at all. Now, this is interesting because for a while, the common advice was you should use anywhere between 5 and 13 and even more hashtags because that will help your engagement. But turns out that's not the case. Even the current CEO of Instagram came out and said that. We can take this another step further and ask the question, do your social followers really like your music? It turns out that all followers aren't the same. Some like you as a person, some find your posts entertaining, some find you attractive, and basically, social following doesn't always convert to music listeners. There are many cases of this happening, and one recently was of an artist who had over 6 million Instagram followers, and when his album came out, he found that he only had 17 and a half million listens on the first week. Now, when you think about this, it's not all that bad, but when you compare it to Fleetwood Mac, for instance, where Rumors, an album that's almost 50 years old, had way more than that 17.5 million in the same week, and they don't really have anybody with a substantial online presence. So it makes you wonder, what good is this presence, even though everybody says this is what you should have? This is really making record labels and managers and even artists taking a step back and looking at everything and thinking, wait a second, how much does this translate to my music? Maybe followers are nothing more than a vanity metric after all. If you have any questions or comments, you can send them to questions at bobbyosinski.com. Also, I'm pleased to announce that the fifth edition of my Mixing Engineer's Handbook is now available. It's totally updated and includes new sections on mixing and immersive audio, self-mastering, new mixer interviews, and much more. Get your copy at a special discounted price at bobbyosinski.com forward slash handbook. That's bobbyosinski.com forward slash handbook, and you can also find it on Amazon. Now, what makes the difference between a one-hit wonder and an artist or a band that keeps on consistently having hits? What separates them? Is it luck? Is it talent? Is it a complex combination of those factors and more? Well, Stanford psychologist Justin Berg published a new paper on this topic. He compiled a data set of more than 3 million songs released between 1959 and 2010 and pulled out the biggest hits. He used an algorithm developed by the company Echo Nest to measure the song's sonic features, including the key and the tempo and the danceability. This allowed him to quantify how similar a given hit was to contemporary popular music, which is something that he called novelty, and musical diversity of an artist's body of work, which he calls variety. It turns out that mass audiences are drawn to what's familiar, but they become loyal to what's consistently distinct. Berg's research also found that musical variety, as opposed to novelty, was useful for artists before they broke out. But down the line, variety actually wasn't that useful, possibly because audience expectations are really set by the initial hits that an artist has. 
after the first hit, the research showed that it's good for artists to focus on what they do best or what's similar. For instance, nobody wants to hear Bruce Springsteen make a rap album. So the study actually developed three rules of thumb. The first found that extremely new ideas are unlikely to initially find a large audience. But if they break through, artists and entrepreneurs both find that that uniqueness is an asset. Second, early career exploration really can pay dividends in the long run. This is actually just as true in the broader labor force as it is in music. A 2014 study of young workers found that people who switch jobs more frequently early in their career found that they have higher incomes during their prime working years. And number three, the difference between one-hit wonders and consistent hit makers isn't just the novelty effect. It's also focus. Hot streaks require creative people to dig deeply into the same creative well when they find something that actually works for them. So there you have it. There is a difference, more than luck, between one-hit wonders and consistent hit makers. My guest this week is Vinny Rebus, who is the founder and CEO of both Indie Direct and Cartney. Vinny has worked as both an agent and an artist manager, but is also an executive coach and strategic business consultant. He's also branched out online in creating Indie Connect and his latest venture, Cartney. Cartney takes the mystery and guesswork out of being an indie artist by providing the answers to over 250 of the most pressing questions and challenges that artists have. What I like best is it also exposes over 60 of the scams and ripoffs that plague the industry and also details hundreds of careers in the industry that go beyond just artist and musician, engineer and producer. During the interview, we talked about the different kinds of agents available, working with the parents of young artists, some current music scams, and much more. I spoke with Vinny via Zoom from his office in Nashville. Give me some of your background. How did you get in the music business? Oh, gosh. I started my, I was in my first paying band when I was seven. So, <laughs> 60 years ago. Um, yeah, I, I, you know, I started playing drums when I was five and um, did have my first you know, paying gigs when I was seven years old. And I was always, you know, as I got into the, my teens, I was always not only the player, but also the person who would get the bookings, get the gigs, manage, you know, do all the management stuff, schedule the rehearsals, all that stuff. And so I just, that just carried on. You know, I played, performed for a long time. Um, nothing, no major artists or anything like that, but just touring all over from the hotel circuits, fairs and festivals, stuff like that. Um, and started managing acts. I was working on a cruise ship down in Florida and uh, we were gone for six months. And when I came back, my booking agent didn't have anything scheduled for me, even though he knew I was coming back. So he said, I'm just too slammed. Why don't you come work for me? So I started working for him and I learned how to be a booking agent. And I ended up doing that for 20 years. And um, I was the entertainment director for the Nevada State Fair. And I just have always been a networking fool um, I used to run a place called Entertainment Unlimited in Reno, and it was just, I did some booking, but it was also like a clubhouse for the local musicians to come hang out. And I mean, I, I just love it. Tell me about being an agent, because um, I think that there's some fallacies about what actually happens. <laughs> there's a lot. There's a lot. And, and the, the problem is that people don't understand that there are all kinds of agents. You know, there are agents that um, well, most of all, 
they usually specialize in something. They book college tours, they book hotels, they book fairs and festivals. I mean, they, they're getting really, really niche, niche right now. But the other thing is that some booking agents, say, have venues that they already have relationships with, and they're just plugging acts into that. Others have to, others pick artists and then go and find places for them to go. Others, when you get into bigger ones like William Morris Agency, they sit around and wait for the phone to ring for the most part, for most of their acts, because, you know, their bigger acts are in, in demand. They don't have to be out there, you know, trying to get them. So you have to know what kind of agent you're, you want to work with. And quite often now you're going to have more than one. You're not going to be exclusive with one unless they cover everything that you're trying to do. Um, but, you know, I've had cruise ship agent and then a theater agent and fair and festival agent all at the same time, you know, just to, to be able to do all the different things that I wanted to do. Mm. Okay. That's something I didn't realize because usually you, you get the idea that an agent is going to be exclusive for you or you're going to be exclusive to the agent and they're going to do, you know, whatever, but you're right. I guess it's like a PR person who really specializes and doesn't have the bandwidth to do everything. Exactly. It really depends on what you're trying to do. I mean, if you're trying to get into the college market and you're going to do that for a couple of years, you probably only need one really good agent who has those contacts. But, you know, then they won't necessarily get you a corporate gig if that's something that you also do. And corporate agents are totally different. That's a whole different ballgame. And so, um, you know, agents are, are powerful. They're wonderful. But a lot of them, they'll just take your promo stuff and put it on their website. And if somebody calls, great. You know, they're just going to put you on their roster. Whereas others, like I have a theater agent who literally every August, he does a, a big showcase here in, in, in Nashville. And he brings in 200 theaters to our performing arts center here and all of his acts showcase for the theaters. And, and so you, you know, you get to, to perform 20 minutes or so. And like I had, I was managing Jason Lyle Black, who was a comedic piano player, and he picked up 30 gigs from it. Wow. And theaters pay well. So, I mean, you have to know what the agent does. You have to know what kind of acts they book, what kind of relationships they have, what reputation they have, obviously. Do they work with other agents? Do they split commissions? That's an important aspect of it. Um, are they aggressive in getting you work or do they just wait for the work to come to to them, do they already have venues that they can just plug you into? A lot of questions to ask. Yeah, I get it. I get it. Okay, so you were an agent for 20 years, and then you went into management? Yeah. Yeah, I was the entertainment director for the Nevada State Fair for a couple of years, and I always had artists that asked me to manage them. So my, my first act was the Bo Brummels, who had some hits in the 60s. Oh, yeah. I had them after they had their hits. Um, they were also the reason I got out of the music business for a while. <laughs> because <laughs> I won't go into the story, but um, it was just the lead singer. Anyway, yeah, I, I did that for a long time. And um, and people were always asking me to manage them. So all along, I was doing kind of pseudo management for a lot of people. I got into consulting and um, where should, I usually just call it management with a, a salary cap, basically, because I would do everything that a manager would do. And, you know, once that we got them ready, we'd connect them to the right people and stuff like that. But management's a different ballgame completely because you're really, you know, you're you're really pushing for the long-term career and what that's going to look like. And a lot of people don't realize that, you know, a lot a lot of artists are in the live for today moment 
how am I going to get booked today? How am I going to make money today? A manager should be looking at what's the long-term plan here. You know, maybe these gigs that, you know, they're paying money, but they're, they're not the best thing. That's not where we need to stay because it's not going to get you where you want to be. So let's go ahead and, and put a plan in place for that and get everything ready for when that opportunity comes up. And then you start knocking on doors, looking for those opportunities. And they do happen if you're prepared. It seems to me that for man, a manager that it's all encompassing with one act. So there's lots of managers that do have multiple acts, but I've always wondered, wow, how do you have the time for all that? I think it depends on whether they are similar in nature. And so you're using the same contacts and the same resources, maybe the same booking agents. So, you know, if I have, if I have three acts and one's a rap artist and one's a, you know, a country artist and, and one's, you know, doing theaters or something, it's really hard because I've got to manage all three teams and everything. And, but if, but if I've got, you know, all acts who are going into the theater market, then great. I have the same contacts, the same resources. You know, I know what that package looks like. It's easy for me to, to put that together. So it makes it a lot easier. Yeah. So how did Indie Connect come about then? It was a mistake, not a mistake. <laughs> it was a, an accident. <laughs> <laughs> I was actually out of the music business when I moved to Nashville and I started running networking meetings for general businesses. I was part of an organization called CEO Space, which is for high level thinking entrepreneurs, not somebody who wants to open one restaurant, but somebody who says, how do I open a hundred restaurants in five years? How do I get that money, that kind of plan? And we did a lot of masterminding at these meetings. And so I got a lot of musicians because it's Nashville, a lot of musicians come into these meetings because it was much more open than going to a chamber meeting or something like that. Or, and, and they'd come in and everybody got a chance to say, this is me, this is what I'm working on, this is what I need next. And so I got to the point where I had so many musicians coming that I just said, why don't we just get together once a week and talk music business? And the first week I had five people there and I had one person just talk about what they do. He was a, a publicist. And the second week I had 10 people. The third week there were 30 there. <laughs> Next thing I knew, I had six meetings going every single week all around Nashville, just networking with a, a speaker coming in. And the people were coming out of the woodwork, the speakers, you know, whether it's Garth Brooks manager or somebody from a label or former major label artists are coming in saying, we're not with the label anymore. They did everything. We don't know what to do now. I mean, it's, it was pretty amazing. And so that's how I built my network here. That's how I got all the contacts and resources that I have right now that, I, that I'm using for this new program. And, um, and it wasn't long before I realized that it was so, so needed that I could build a business off of it. And, uh, and for a while, I had 10 chapters actually all around the country, but finding people that were willing to do it, it, it didn't make a lot of money. It wasn't supposed to make a lot of money. I, I didn't start it to make money. I started to get plugged back into the Nashville community or plugged into it because I had just moved here. And it was, it was really interesting how people came out of the woodwork for it. And, um, and a lot of those people are the people that I'm tapping into now for, for the new program. Well, we'll get to the new program in a second, but there's something I saw in Indie Connect that tweaked my interest a little bit. And it was uh, you working with parents of musicians, budding musicians, budding artists. Yeah. I find it, you know, 
what, what happens is a lot of the parents, they really, really want to help. They see somebody that's got, you know, a really good talent and everything. And of course, you have to realize that some of them are momagers and dadagers. And, and that's a whole different ballgame where they're, you know, they're so in control and, and, and sometimes living vicariously through their, <laughs> their kids. But for the ones that are serious that, you know, they just recognize that there's a talent, don't know what to do with it. What I find is that they're the ones most often scammed. They're the ones that get into trouble because people take advantage of the fact that they don't know the industry at all and they haven't got a clue. And, and so I wanted to prevent that. And so years ago, I'm going to say it was 2009. I put a two hour program video program together called help my kids a musician. Love it. And it, you know, covered Okay, this is this is what to expect when you go into a recording studio, and this is how much you should be paying or what you should look for, and this is what you should not do. And it was, you know, the same thing with with performing and getting gigs and buying instruments, you know, so you don't get ripped off by the salesperson who says, "Well, he needs this guitar and this guitar and this guitar and this amplifier and that amplifier," you know, because that'll happen. And I've seen people come come back with, you know just thousands of dollars worth of equipment. And then two months later, the kid finds a girlfriend and they're gone. Mm, yeah. It's just so preparing the, the parents for understanding that part of it and, you know, and, and understanding sibling rivalry, because if one person's getting all the attention, I mean, I, I tapped into a lot of experts. I, I talked to a lot of people to put this together um, and it needs updating because obviously it was 2009, but I, I just felt like that was something important that I needed to keep doing. And uh, so I have been doing that and it makes a world of difference for the, the kids as well as for the parents, just some peace of mind that they're not making really bad mistakes and that they're, they're just on the right track. I have a friend who's a relatively famous producer out here who has something similar, but mostly for entertainment parents with children that want to get into the music business. Mm-hmm. And what happened with his kid was she had a hit and she never did a gig because he was a famous music producer and he made her sound like a million bucks. Well, then she had to go out on the road. So he had to hire a whole team to actually, you know, coach her up to the mm-hmm. point where she was on stage and in her ear, there was a coach that was telling her exactly what to say. Amazing. Yeah. But she became very successful actually and and, you know she turned into a pretty good artist now what ended up happening was all the other parents heard about it in hollywood and they all had kids that wanted to get in the business so all of a sudden he had a business built around just that you know coaching him up to uh go to another level turned into being a nice second or third career for him Mm -hmm. yeah and that happens with a, a lot of people you probably know Rick Barker. Oh, yeah. You know, and I mean, he he was Taylor Swift's manager. So he gets a lot of parents who want him to make their kids the next Taylor Swift, you know, and he's got the know-how. He's got, he can't guarantee anything, but I mean, he's got the know-how. He's a genius. Um, but I mean, that that is a, a whole market because the parents don't know, and but they believe in their kids so much. They really want to help them. And, um, and if you do it right, you know, they can, they can get a really solid foundation. That's what I look for. Yeah. I'm not, I don't make any promises. I can't make anybody a star, but I can give you a really solid foundation. 
Let's talk about your new program. You mentioned scams before, and I know the new program has something that's a, a, a core piece of, of it in helping people avoid music business scams. Yeah, I, I, it's got three parts to it, but the scams is, is the part that most people are attracted to, which is, you know, I understand that because I've been in that boat, you know, more times than I care to imagine, care to think about. And, and I have so many stories. I've coached over a thousand artists. So all the people that I've, I've seen get ripped off by producers. I'm dealing with that with a former intern right now, producer trying to steal the masters, trying to steal songwriting credit, or they, she, he won't give her the masters because they didn't have the right agreement in place. Um, and, you know, I had one couple that when I first started Indie Connect, they came and they were just married, just moved to Nashville. They ran into somebody who said they could produce their uh, EP. She was beautiful. She had a great voice. They charged her $25,000 for five songs. Wow. The producer picked out the songs because she wasn't a songwriter. One of the songs had never been cleared by the publisher. Her first, so she had a thousand CDs and wasn't allowed to do anything with them. And it was all on credit cards and they were just married. Oh. And I've seen these kind of things over and over and over again. And, you know, and now I started getting all these emails from people, the different things, different ways that they've been ripped off and seeing, finding it on social media. You know, there's one going around now where somebody calls a, or contacts a, uh, an artist and says, I want you to write a birthday song for my daughter or my son, whatever. And said, I'll pay you $500. I'll send you $200 now. And then the, the balance when, when you get the song done. So they send them the $200, but it turns out to be a check for 2000. So that, you know, they deposit it. And then it, it turns out 2000. The guy says, Oh, that was a mistake. Send me the other $1,500 back. They send the $1,500 back. And then the first check finds out it's bogus. The bank finds out it's bogus. And so they cancel that and they're out there $1,500. Wow. And this is, you know, 20 year old kids who don't know, they haven't got a clue. Boy, that's a new one. See, a new one on me anyway. Well, it's new and I've seen this scam before. I've, I've heard about it, but not in the music industry, not where somebody did, did I just can't even fathom it, that people would do that. What is the most prolific music business scam? The one you see the most? I can make you a star. Mm, okay. <laughs> whether it's, whether it's, you know, somebody probably on the marketing side, the most prolific one right now, I think is buy X amount of streams, likes, followers or whatever, which is totally bogus. You know, if you, if you're buying um, followers and, and listens for Spotify, they will know, they know who the, the scammers are and they will ban you. Not just them, they'll ban you. And I was talking to one artist who her their her record label literally was buying uh, followers for their artists and Spotify cut off the, you know, the record label, cut off the artists. Now the artists ISRC codes, which obviously measure, you know, it's what they track everything with, have been flagged and can't go back up on Spotify. Mm. And the, the label disappeared, just gone. So all these artists that were with the label are stuck high and dry. They can't do anything with their music. I mean, it's just, it's just crazy. And 
it's it's so rampant it's so rampant and it's really hard to tell who's legit and who's not when they say you know we push you to playlists it's all organic and stuff like that it's really hard to tell one of the big problems for an artist especially a young artist is most of them the majority i would say don't care about the business aspect they just want to be creative they just want to do what they do i can certainly relate to that they're begging for somebody else to take over the business aspect so they got blinders on all the time right if you don't know the business at least the basics of it then you're way more susceptible to being scammed yeah yeah don't know and it can be done in the most simple way it could be one clause in a publishing contract that doesn't have you know or the lack of a reversion clause so you never get your song back if it doesn't go anywhere or you know a sunset clause in a management deal that it goes on forever so that means you got to pay that manager forever yeah little things like that and i had once done a a workshop with an attorney on management contracts and i was doing the talking points i'd written out all the talking points and then he came in with the horror stories behind them oh it made my blood boil because they do it is this we're not talking about just newbies we're talking about people who are well established you know somebody like like your friend who has never had to build the business didn't have to know the business was thrown into the spotlight and all of this this underlying you know business stuff they don't know any of it somebody gets signed with a record label like i said and they would come to my meetings literally these major label artists that you would know and saying we don't know what to do now no idea we don't we don't know how to market ourselves we don't know how to get the gigs we don't have those contacts it was just it was really sad I'm really close to two big mastering houses. I can walk there, and uh, I like hanging out there because they're my friends. And one of the things that always happens, I'll go in and, and they'll say, oh, you got to come and listen to this. And I'd say, so uh, what happens now? And he said, well, you know, we asked the artist that, and they just didn't know. They finished the song and or the, the album, and then they go, well, now what? Mm-hmm. That was one of the, the biggest challenges I used to see when I had my own, my office before COVID um, and when CDs were popular, people were walking in all the time. I just recorded a CD. I've got a thousand copies. Now what do I do? Mm, yeah. Should have thought about that six months ago. You could probably could have had them pre-sold or at least half of them got, got your money back ahead of time. Know where you're going to market them. Okay. So your new program, uh, Cartney, is that what it's called? Cartney. One part is helping people to avoid the scams of the music business, and you said there's two other pieces to it. Yeah, there's. Um, I've identified so far about 275 different questions, uh, challenges that artists have all the time. They, they always need to know, you know, how do I copyright my song? How do I protect my band name? How do I get my songs into film and TV? Uh, I mean, all these basic things that every artist should know. And so... We're going out and we're interviewing hundreds of industry experts. And, and I'm, I'll be honest, the industry has really bought into this. And I've got, I'm getting calls from all over the place. And basically just really diving deep into these questions, deep enough that an artist has a really strong understanding of all these different points. I can't, I can't you know, teach them how to market themselves. Uh, that's not going to be my role. My role is going to give you that, is to be to give you that foundation those really important things that you should know, you know, what, what should you look for in a publishing deal? How do you find a publisher? How do you find a booking agent? How do you find a manager? How do you pick the right manager? 
all kinds of things like that, as well as things like, uh, like I mentioned before, some parenting tips and stuff like that. I'm talking to child psychologists to, to talk about, cause I don't, that's not my area of expertise, but you know, how do you deal with uh, sibling ri rivalry? How do you deal with a kid who all of a sudden is making more money than dad at, at 13 years old or something? I mean, there, there's so many different things that can come up. So we just want to cover it all and it'll never end. You know, people will always come up with new questions, but the important thing is that every six months we'll go back and revisit every single video to make sure that it's accurate, it's up to date. Because the challenge I find is that a lot of people, you know, if you want information now, you've got a couple of good sources. You can go to YouTube, but you're weeding through old videos that might be out of date, salesy videos that, you know, for the first three minutes are sign up for my course, my workshop, et cetera, et cetera. Um, or things that are long and you only need this little snippet, this 10 second snippet over here, and you can't find it because you got to watch a two hour video. It, it, you know, it's, it's really not efficient and you can do the same thing with blogs. You can, you know, you can spend a lot of time trying to find really basic stuff. And it's, so it's no surprise that people are constantly calling me and saying, I, you know, I want to get my songs into film and TV. How do I do that? I want to find the right producer. How do I do that? I mean, all these different things. So, so that's what we're answering in really basic, very down to earth answers nothing you know nothing flashy no sales no nothing and like that involved in there just this is how it works and it works differently maybe in nashville than it does in la it makes maybe it works different in country than it does in rap uh and you know the i've got a classical guitarist world-renowned classical guitarist that contacted me uh, so we'll be exploring that world i don't know anything about that world so that's that's a big part of what we're doing and then the third part is careers, all the different careers in the music industry. Uh, because what I find is like, I have a lot of interns and if they're artists, they want to be an artist. Otherwise they want to be A&R or a manager because they don't really know anything else. Yeah. And, you know, and there are so many jobs, so many, you know, different roles that I don't even know about. I've never been on a, a major, major tour. And there's probably a hundred people employed in there that I've never heard of their jobs. I've never been with a major orchestra, so I don't know all the jobs there. So we're doing that research and all the information about what do you do on a daily basis and what skills do you need? And, you know, what should you be interested in to do this job and how much should you expect to be able to, you know, be paid um, and to make it really searchable. So you can literally put in, this is my skill set. This is what I'm interested in. And it'll pull up videos that work for that. About five or six years ago, I know Scott Phillips from the University of Alabama or University of Birmingham. He wrote a, um, a book that was like that. It was all about different careers. But I don't know what happened to it. And that was five or six years ago. And obviously everything has changed somewhat. This is something that I think every educator bumps into because... People come into their class, any kind of music class, whatever it is, music business class, with an idea, well, there's this job, and maybe this one, and not realize all the other possibilities within the music business that are quite satisfying as well. Oh, hundreds. Hundreds of jobs, whether you want to be a music photographer, and you know, if you love something else besides music, you can be involved in it and, and still you know, match all of your passions and still make money at it. 
it's, it's pretty amazing, you know, the, the things that I'm discovering, the, the roles that I'm discovering that I didn't know existed. And it, it's just fun. I mean, I've been in the business a long time and I learn something every day on all of these because we're going, when I'm going through the scams, it's like, wow, I never thought of that. Mm-hmm. I'm glad I never thought, of, you know, I, I, I'm glad I never, I would have fallen for that if I didn't know better. Um, and when I'm, we're going through all the questions, obviously we're doing all the research. So we know what questions to ask the experts. And so it's very detailed um, as far as knowing exactly what we want to get out of each expert. And, and we're, we're contacting more than one for each area. So more than one booking agent. So it's not just all exclusively, this is what this guy does or this woman does, or this company does, you know, we want to, we want to tap into all of it. So it's pretty extensive. One of the interesting things that I've found personally is, and I've been in the business for a long time too. I started with a whole bunch of, of players. We're all players. And as we grew in the business, most of us have gone in other directions and we've all had really good careers in the music business, but not necessarily as players. Mm-hmm. And, and I even talk about that on the website. This career part of it, it's really, it, it's not just for somebody coming out of college. Because there are people, you know, I have clients who are, had their 30-year career doing something and now they're going back into music. Or somebody who's getting out of touring and wants to know, where do I fit now? I mean, it, it, there's so many different areas that, that people can fit in and you can have a career for the rest of your life using the skills and talents that you have. And so we just want to shine a light on that. That's very cool. So this is going now. I saw that the website is live. Well, the, the website, yeah, it, it's, it's, we'll be going live actually in around June. Um, so right now our, our big thing is that we're, getting people to sign up for the mailing list so they know about it, but mainly uh, looking for people from the industry. And it doesn't have to be somebody who's got, you know, tons of years of, of experience and it doesn't have, it can be an artist. Like I've got two cruise ship musicians, one that does headlines and one that, that just works on the ship talking about what that's like, you know, so it, it doesn't have, you don't have to be famous for this. We just need your experience. We need your expertise um, your, your, tell us about your scams. There's a, a whole section on there where you can tell us about how you got ripped off. Cause we, the way we're building the whole scam section is so that before you make any move, and I should say the scam section is going to be free because we, it's the most important thing out there, but before you make any move. So before you get your first producer, before you look for a manager, before you buy that, that contact list, I mean, all these different things um, before you pay someone to promote you. And we go through all the different deals. What's at risk? What do you need to look for? What do you need to know ahead of time? What do you need to look for? What are the, the signs of a scam? What should you do? What, what's the, the research that you should do? I mean, really trying to make it so that before anybody makes any move, they go here and they understand what to look for so that they don't get scammed. I think that's going to be powerful. You know, we've got 65 of them so far that we've, we've detailed. Um, but I hear about new ones every day. Well, it's a shame, but it's cool that you're there and you're doing this because it's something that's definitely needed. I think so. I I think if we can give everybody that solid foundation, they can build from there confidently. 
you know, our goal is to to basically take the the mystery and the guesswork and the, some of the risk out of being a musician. And I think this will do it. If you can get that foundation of the, the knowledge, you have the career side, which gives you direction. Careers could be, you know, as a singer, you could be uh, singing for advertisements and commercials. You could be a studio musician. You could be, you know, I mean, we're going to go into that kind of detail for musicians and for singers and for bands. And then if, you know, if you know how to avoid the scams, then you're a little bit safer when you go out there. Very cool, Vinny. Last question. You've been in business for a really long time. What's the best piece of advice that you were given or maybe you learned along the way? Uh, the best piece I've ever been given is simply to learn the business side of it. Not, not neglect that. Cause I was, you know, I did do it naturally, but I didn't realize that there was stuff that needed to be studied that I needed to study. And so I ran into challenges and, and, and stuff because I just didn't know. And my first real big foray into that was when I started managing um, the Bo Brummels. As soon as I, I was working in, in, I was a booking agent in Nevada, in Reno. And as soon as I sent out the promo video that we recorded, I started, uh, my, my friends who were the entertainment buyers were calling me and saying, we already have a Bo Brummels tape. Uh, and it was somebody else who had played in the band for one year and decided he could be a Bo Brummel. And so he put this, this video out that was terrible. And so, you know, we, we were, we were shot in the foot right from the beginning. And, and it's things like that, that this drove me crazy. And the best advice that I can give somebody, what I find is that most artists don't know what's really available to them. They, and, and they think very short term. They think this is what I need to do to get my gigs now. They don't think, think long term. They don't think career wise. And so I, you know, I'm doing a video. In fact, I'm going to be recording it tomorrow on setting a career path, figuring out where you want to be three years, five years from now, personally and business wise. And then looking backwards and saying, okay, is, is what I'm doing now going to get me there? And if not, what needs to change? You have to think long term. You have to put things in place for longevity. That means multiple streams of income. That means passive income, all these other things. Because if another COVID hits, you know, anybody who had those in place, whether it's a Patreon or they had licensing coming in, they did okay. But those that were concentrating and, and counting on just nothing but gigs, it was gone. So definitely multiple streams of income as an artist. You can find out more about Vinny at vinnyrebus.com and Cartney at Cartney.com. It's Vinny Rebus, V-I-N-N-Y-R-I-B-A-S.com, Cartney, C-A-R-T-N-E, Cartney.com. Thanks for listening and being in my inner circle. Remember, if you have any questions or comments, you can send them to questions at bobbyosinski.com. To listen to the episodes of Bobby Osinski's Inner Circle, go to bobbyosinski.com, select the podcast tab, or go to bobbyowinnercircle.com, where you can find an Apple Podcasts, Apple Music, Stitcher, Mixcloud, Google Podcasts, Spotify, Deezer, TuneIn Radio, Radio Public, and Podbean. At bobbyosinski.com and bobbyownercircle.com, you'll also find a sign-up form for my newsletter and for alerts for new podcasts. This is Bobby Osinski. I will see you next time.